Welcome to Intentionally Grounded, sponsored by GoRoute, simplifying scout teams through simple and direct coach-to-player communication. I am your host, Brian Willey, along with my co-host, John Kesselring. Episode 2 of Season 2 features the head football coach of Mount Pleasant High School in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, Bronson Bradley. Coach Bradley discusses core program building values, the adaptations made to Mount Pleasant's single-wing offense, drills and teaching points to running a successful single-wing offense, and lessons he learned from powerlifting that he has infused into the Mount Pleasant program. Coaches, don't forget to check out our updated website at igfootballcoach.com for all our blog posts and podcast episodes. Also, it'd be much appreciated if you could leave a review for us on iTunes to help grow our program and share our message with a larger community. Again, the support you guys have shown us so far has been phenomenal, and we can't thank you enough for all that you've done for this program. Thank you for all your continued support, and we look forward to bigger and better things in Season 2 Unintentionally Grounded. Episode 2 of Season 2 of Intentionally Grounded with Coach Bronson Bradley starts now. We're here with Coach Bronson Bradley of Mount Pleasant High School. Coach, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and tell us what influenced you to become a football coach. Uh, I'm uh, 39. Um, I'm uh, married to Shantae Bradley. We've been married for 18 years. Uh, I've got a 14-year-old daughter, Kylie. She's a, an eighth grader this year, basketball star. She plays for my wife. My wife's the head basketball coach over at the middle school. Um, it's as far as coaching football, I'm in my 16th year, uh, both coaching football and strength and conditioning. Even as a head coach, I've always kept that role. Um, I'm a four-time national champion paralifter. Um, I'm a, a, I serve as a deacon at our local Baptist church, and I've been in the ministry for 18 years. Uh, as far as being influenced, I think mostly uh, my own high school football coach, Rick Ross, uh, influenced me the most. What brought you to Mount Pleasant? Uh, Mount Pleasant, Tennessee. It's in the it's in Middle Tennessee. Uh, I love the location. It's not far from uh, where I grew up in Waynesboro, Tennessee. And um, I just thought this would be a great place to to build the type of program I want to build. Uh, uh, I interviewed for it twice. The first time I interviewed, I didn't get the job, and uh, I was told the second time it came open, which was about two years later, uh, I was the only one to reapply for the job, which I guess made me. Uh, a little bit more attractive to those that, that were interviewing. Um, but that was five years ago. Uh, I love the place. I love the, the people here. Uh, a core, uh, we brought in some core values, building character, uh, commitment and responsibility in our athletes. Uh, we believe that uh, building a winning character will build a winning culture and the byproduct will be a uh, winning program. Uh, and uh, like they say, it's a process. It's been uh, – it's been ongoing, like I said, five years, and I still, I still think we're building. It's a process of building relationships uh, because, you know, every one of your football players will go on to be uh, hopefully good at living and not necessarily good at football because most of them won't play after the high school careers, but they're going to be uh, good men, good employees, good employers, uh, good dads, good husbands, good citizens. And, uh, and I think every, every, every winning football coach you talk to will tell you the same thing that uh, – that's what you look for. And, Coach, what are some of the different techniques and strategies you've used to help build that character in some kids? Because we just know that some kids come in and they don't have a lot of support system outside of school and the football program, and they may not have the values that we hope that they would have at the beginning. Uh, that's correct. We uh, Here at Mount Pleasant, we have a large uh, population sometimes that uh, may not have dads, you know, who may be living with single-parent moms or in foster care even. Uh, and uh, what my strategy has been as soon as I got here, 
was pouring into their character. Um, you know, not just making this about being on a football team, but being part of a family, uh, having this brother beside you that you'll do anything for, that you'll go to battle for, that you'll uh, be committed to coming to the weight room for. And uh, part of that was hiring men around me that thought the same way I did. And I've hired great coaches that uh, one, uh, Ned Rich, uh, it's one of the guys I've hired, and uh, he is a, a business leader uh, that doesn't teach school, but he, he volunteers his time to come in, and he just pours into these guys uh, good sportsmanship, good character, uh, talks to them about God and family, and and all my coaches. Any coach I bring in, you know, the first thing I say is you got to be able to coach these guys outside of football because you, know, you may know your football, but if you don't know how to build a relationship with somebody, uh, you're in the wrong business because high school football is all about building relationships with these kids. Absolutely. Uh, and coach, kind of focusing more a little bit on you, you've been coaching high school football for over 15 years now. How have you evolved as a football coach during this time? And what things would you credit for those changes? I think, uh, like I said, over 15 years, I'm in my 16th year. Uh, over time, I think I've grown more patient. Uh, I've learned to trust the process myself. Uh, and I've learned that uh, my Jimmys and Joes are more important than my X's and O's. And as a young coach, I think – Myself included, we tend to focus on forcing everything to win at all costs because you got to, you know, you, you always think you have to prove yourself as a coach to, to prove to fans that you're a good winning coach and to prove to your peers that you can uh, do whatever they can do, you know. And I think uh, with more, with just uh, more experience, each year you learn not only from your mistakes, but you learn from your players. You learn from other coaches. If you're a good coach, you're going to clinics and uh, you're asking and you're, you're trying to dig as much as you can out of other guys who are successful. And I think uh, patience is is what I've uh, brought myself. I don't get, uh, you know, you can't get too hot-headed uh, with guys because, uh, uh, you know, you want them to do something. Uh, you got to build that relationship first. And then maybe you can yell at them a little bit. But uh, I think for me, uh, what's brought me where I'm at today is a whole lot of patience. And over the years, I think I get a little bit more. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to let them get by with more or – that I'm not as strict on them, but I think as far as the, the game itself goes and trying to get a kid to learn and uh, winning will come if you just pour into the right places. 100% coach. I couldn't say it better myself. Um, one of the things that drew us to you was your um, co in your coaching career is your active activity in the single wing. Um, you've got a very mm -hmm. diverse offensive scheme over the past few years that doesn't necessarily rely on the single wing, but you've kind of adapted the single wing concepts. Um, to more spread formation. So I right. guess our question is, what got you interested in the single wing, and what aspects have you incorporated and adapted into your offense? Um, well, I grew up in the split-back beer offense, and that was through high school, college, and then my first coaching job was uh, I was hired by Rick Rice, my old high school coach, and we were coaching the split-back beer. And uh, you probably talk to guys in the beer and option, it's like a cult. You know, they do things a certain way, and it's by the book. And when I started coaching it, I found out really quickly that you need a great quarterback and a stud running back who wants to dive every time and doesn't mind to get hit even when he doesn't have the ball. And uh, guys that can read a defense and are quick and athletic to make it go. And we had uh, – it was great offense, love it. But there was two seasons in a row where we lost a quarterback to injury and uh, because the young guys couldn't pick it up because they couldn't read the defense ready, you know, we took a hit in the season and you end up with a – you know, that's a hard offense to run with a young kid that, that doesn't know and you're calling from the sideline trying to get him to read the defense that and they're moving and, you know, they're never where you coach it to be. But mm -hmm. And that was where we were sitting at the state championship one year 
I think it was in 2002, and I'm watching from the stands, you know, like every coach wants to be there. Uh, and the team was running the wing tee, and uh, they had a quarterback that goes down. And, you know, automatically I think, man, it's, they're, they're messed up, you know, if they don't have a good quarterback. And then they come in, the rest of the game, the running back started taking the next snap, and he's running the offense. Uh, and an old retired coach next to us started talking about the single wing, and uh, it was the first time I'd ever heard of it. In 2002, I'd been uh, – it was my first year uh, – my second year of coaching at all. And I'm like, wow, what is, it, what is he talking about? I never heard of this single wing. Uh, so I went home. I started talking to coaches. I started watching film. I started studying for it. And sure enough, man, I attended clinics, uh, one big clinic in Pennsylvania, the single wing conclave. They meet up there annually and uh, just got hooked. And I changed cults, as they say, to the single wing. But uh, I, have ado- I have adapted a little bit over time. My first couple of years, I was straight power and doing all the deceptive stuff i didn't get out of right and left formation heavy right and heavy left with the tight ends and then as i went i started adding a little more uh like i said i grew up in a veer so we started adding some offensive or some uh option stuff to it uh and then we started you know spreading it out a little bit because uh i probably passed a little bit more than more stricter wing tank uh, single wingers do uh but i still love the direct power and the deception and that's what we base it out of uh, I think every skill player that I have can run the offense. Uh, if if uh, two quarterbacks go down, we can put the, the the split end back there, and he can take a direct snap. And that's what I love about it. And uh, over time, I've, each year I think we add a little bit more. You know, we try to keep it up to date. Uh, some would say I'm more of a hybrid single wing than I am an old school single wing, but we're still in that base. Uh, we're going to direct snap, and we're going to run power. And we're going to do some spin stuff and some misdirection. And we're going to find out what we're good at, and then we're going to build around that. And if I've got a, a great quarterback that can pass, then uh, we don't have to change much of our offense. We just uh, we just put a little more play action, maybe some RPOs in there, and we're passing. Like you said, teaching the single wing can be certainly difficult, especially to this generation that doesn't see it every day or have to defend it or even have to install it. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the first things you install with your kids when you start installing the single wing? I'm uh, – I saw, you know, a lot of questions I get is, is it difficult to coach? And I think coaching a single wing, for me, in my, my opinion, is probably easier than any other offense I've been in. I've coached under systems, uh, I've coached under the aisle. That was pretty easy, but the veer, uh, I think the veer is something you have to work on constantly, 30 minutes a day on just the read. Uh, wing T, you've got a lot of stuff that you got to work on. And uh, one year I was uh, under a spread coach and, uh, tremendous amount of work there teaching a quarterback how to read the defense and teaching wide receivers how to read uh, concepts and um, and I think when I first when I started teaching single wing I thought man this is uh, it's pretty easy as far as coaching the offense itself if the uh, the most difficult part is coaching a player to catch a direct snap uh, in my opinion I think that's probably the hardest part once he learns how to catch a direct snap I think the rest of the backfield is fun for the players they tend to all love to uh, the motions, the misdirection, not snapping to the same kid every time. You know, we snap it to three, three different players depending on the uh, the series we we, we want to run. Uh, uh, it's a series-based offense. Like I said, we teach about four run run plays and two pass plays on each series, uh, and we run about eight to nine different series per season, not per game. We'll find out what we're good at. If we're good at the power series, we're going to run that probably most of the time. Uh, if we find a defense that's hard, that, that doesn't keep uh, their discipline, then we'll run a little 
expand series against them and see what we're good at. If we've got some that's weak in the secondary, we'll run a lot more play action and passes against them. But uh, we're going to learn those. Once they learn, like I said, once you learn how to direct snap to a kid and, he, and you've got three or four that can catch a snap, I think uh, the, the the overall offense itself is not only easy, but it's really fun to coach. It's one of the uh, – it's kept me from getting uh, burned out, I think, because so, you're not doing the same thing every day. You're, there's always something different with it, something that you can play around with and find out, and the kids love doing it, like I said. Uh, so as far as that goes um, – uh, I think it's, it's it's not that hard to put in once you, you know once you find a guy that knows. And like I said, when when I first started, I didn't just take somebody and then do it myself. I I went straight to the the coaches that run it, and I run their system to the T for the first two or three years that I run it, and then I started adapting and making it my own. Sure, and, and we kind of dabbled a little bit with it this last uh, football season with our own offense. We had a, kind of a package in that was uh, single wing based, and one of the things that we kind of first struggled with when we put it in was that direct snap from our center. Uh, we were fortunate enough to have a center who could do it, but it took a lot of reps for it. And so I guess my question would yep. be, what are some of the ways you help your center become so uh, efficient in that direct snap? And then what are maybe some of the drills you do to help keep them on board? Yeah, I think we start with snapping drills. Like you said, that's uh, – and one of the things we we teach my center is always going to snap the ball straight back, uh, and our our backs have to do all the work. They've got to keep their eye on the ball with a six inch power step, and what is what we call it to the middle. And whoever's catching the ball will step into the middle of the path of the football. The ball is uh, always straight back. Hopefully, you know you never you never know where the ball is going to be. So we also we practice uh, uh, imperfect snaps. With uh, not with our center because we always want him to be perfect, but like I'll get back on my knee looking at him and I'll snap it all over the place, high, low, to their left and to their right. You know, just make sure that they're always keeping their eye on the ball because I think that's the most important thing. I think a lot of time when you're catching a snap, you just assume it's going to be where you want it because you see it on TV all the time. Uh, but you uh, you really got to focus watching the football from the time it's on the ground to the time it's in the air till you catch it. Uh, and I think that's a that's a major part of coaching this offense. Uh, we're a step and catch team, so we're going to seventy percent of our plays. I'd say are uh, there's not really a single player behind the center. They're each on his foot. So you've got one on his right foot, one on his left foot, and whoever's catching the snap will step in the middle during the play. Other thirty percent, I'm in a pistol formation, uh, or it's a passing situation. So we put the best passer, like a two minute drill, for instance. The best passer is going to be right behind him. And it's going to be like a look like a regular shotgun snap. Uh, I allow. Uh, speaking of that, I allow my center to snap uh, whatever he's comfortable with. I personally like a dead uh, spin snap. You know where it's not spinning, it's not spiraled, it's just uh, straight back. It could have a little spin on it, I guess, but uh, it's just whatever my center's comfortable with. And that's what we try to make it as easy as possible for my center. Uh, his job is to snap it back. We'd like it to be knee high. So we give him a drill where uh, if he can go home, we'll give him a ball, and he snaps straight back into his couch. And if it bounces too hard back to him, he's, he's snapping too hard. If he can get that ball to stay into, this, into his couch without bouncing off, it's a good snap. Uh, if it goes over the couch, it's bad. If it goes under the couch, it's bad. He wants us to stick it in that chair. And uh, I think as far as blocking goes, 99% of the time he's going to either block to the weak side or away from the play. Uh, I think I also make it easier because I tell him, he can gross block is what we call it, G-R-O-S, get run over slowly. And if he can do that after snapping, most of the time we're okay because he's going away from the – he's blocking away from the play for the most part. Uh, or he's getting he's, – he's got a guard that's going to help him with the double team. So 
uh, I don't put a lot of pressure on him other than getting the snap back. Uh, so for my center, uh, if he can snap it straight back, it looks like it's difficult because when the, from the stands, you're seeing him snap it to the blocking back. He's snapping it to the, uh, tailback, to the, uh, to the quarterback. And it may be difficult looking, but I think it's hardest. The only time he direct snaps is if we're snapping to the blocking back for a wedge. You know, it's just slightly to his right, but for the most part, uh, I try to make it easy as possible with my center because there's a lot of pressure on him to get it back there. And, and you talked a little bit about how um, how much you've enjoyed running power as one of your series in the single wing, um, kind of maybe building off that a little bit. What are some of the finer teaching points that you have inside the single wing? Maybe it's, you know, regarding power or maybe the spin series that you think are really vital to its success. Uh, just like every offense, I think you have to focus on uh, fundamentals, uh, little details. Uh, I think uh, offensive line steps is where it starts. Um, the back steps, timing with the uh, with the quarterback and center. Uh, I think uh, it, we do the same thing with our route running. We try to make them route running. We are, we we pass on timing. I don't I don't try to make my quarterback read too much in the secondary. Most of our stuff is on timing. Uh, so for our passes, you know, if we if play action, it's just like if he's under center running the eye formation. He's going to uh, give a little fake and turn his back to the defense and look downfield immediately. And hopefully by the time he looks down, he's either going to hit a blocking back in the flats or maybe hit the corner route, which is uh, split in. Um, but as far as coaching it, fundamental-wise, I think it's just like every every offense. I think you coach uh, the fundamentals of what you're doing. Uh, and I think uh, one of the things that makes – uh, our I think our offense goal is taking time to teach football 101. I think a lot of times we overlook that as coaches. Like, like I said myself, uh, I had to go back and be a little more patient with, uh, because you know I expected when I was young I expected a you know a player to know what a, a smash route was or uh, or how to take a three step drop. You know I just assumed they knew it since they're in high school. They've watched they, if they watch TV at all, you think they know, but you know these kids don't grow up watching football on TV. They're playing Madden. Uh, and they don't really look at what they're doing on Madden. It's just pick a play and go. So uh, I think you got to take time to teach uh, football, the history and why. Teach the why to every play. Like uh, I think one time I, I had to step back and a kid actually asked me, why are we running power? You know, why do we run power against this defense? Because yeah, I kept telling them, I kept telling them about the, if they line up like this, we're going to run power. So I had to step back and say, okay, here's why we're running power in this certain defense. Here's why we want to throw against this defense, for example. Here's why we uh, – uh, I think this past year we really focused on why we're throwing screens because, uh, you know, when uh, you want to throw in a blitz or, you know, what the quarterback started asking questions a little more. And, uh, I think when we step back and we start teaching that, be a little patient, tell them why we're running this stuff against different defenses, I think most of them have no clue, like I said. So we once we get that down, I think you can run any offense. Uh, it's not just uh, with, with a single wing. But uh, with any offense, uh, and when they learn the why, I think that makes even our play calling easier. Uh, if you can tell them and they can look at a defense and they can come and tell you, hey, here's why uh, we should run power next or we should run the counter because they're, they're overloading this side, they're weak on the weak side. And, um, and this year I really started – was proud of my guys because a lot more of them was taking in that, that football one-on-one mentality to up their IQ. And I think one of the, one of the most frustrating things is when a kid doesn't know and then – he asked you why during the game, and uh, he really don't know why we're calling plays and, or why he should block this kid and not the one on the outside, uh, which is frustrating. But if they don't, they don't know. And I think we got to be patient enough to go back and say, "Hey, let's uh, let's break it all down. 
football 101, go back to the fundamentals, and, it, man, it makes, uh, makes you a lot less headaches on Friday night when they know those fundamentals and those, that football 101. Coach, what are some of the drills you use to work on the timing and misdirection that you use in the backfield, whether it be in the spin series or just, you know, traditional run plays that you have in your scheme? I think we use uh, – I had done talked about the snap drills. We snap to them uh, the first part of every practice. We have a little pre-practice, and the backs get out there, and we're running really quick snap drills. Uh, we run uh, basic uh, stuff. We're going over uh, our spin series where it's got a different step than, say, our power series. So uh, they'll do some spin stuff, working on our timing. Uh, most of it's uh, with a wing back. Um, he's coming in motion. Uh, so th- I think that's the biggest thing we work on, especially every day, fundamentals. He's working on our timing just, and just running it. Uh, there's not really a certain drill where I say you have to run it, but just getting in there and running it over and over and over uh, and uh, making sure the steps are right. So I've got a coach make uh, – after we, and we, we don't have a lot of time with him. I've got – you know, I don't have a lot of kids. I've got 30 kids. So one kid, may, he may be the only wing back I've got that day. Uh, so we can't just – run until he's dead but we also want to have him faking every time so we've got a coach that after you do the uh, handoff drill you got to do a fake drill so we kind of try to mix it up so we don't have to do a fake drill over and over and over again and then go back and run the play drill so uh for instance if we're running a uh if we're running sweep we're going to practice on the quarterback keeping it and running trap uh or if we're running a jet sweep he's going to uh we're going to give the ball once, and then we've got another guy there that's going to hand the ball to the quarterback, and he practices power after he hands it off. So I think that's my, that's my favorite drill to do because you get so many plays. You can get three or four plays in and run in one drill. Uh, so if I think that's probably my most important drill. As far as the offensive line goes, it's the same as everybody else does. We don't, we don't do anything different. If it was an I team or a wing T team, we're going to do our uh, step, you know, uh, power step, winning step, drive. We do the sled drive, I think, is big for us, uh, sled drills. Uh, we'll do uh, uh, one-on-one drills, passing. Uh, we do it, you would, if you watch your linemen, you would think we're, you know, we're just, a, just like everybody else. So I think uh, just keeping it basic. We don't try to get too fancy with them. And I think that's probably my, my, my best thing, just keeping it, keeping it simple. In terms of personnel within your single-wing series, um, do you do anything special with your offensive linemen or backs that helps in the execution of the single-wing? Uh, not really. I think, uh, like I said, we try to move every player, uh, whether it be a lineman. Uh, since we mentioned linemen, we'll try to make them, uh, we, like I said, we're a small school, so I'm going to get about 30 players uh, on average. By the time you get down to the nitty-gritty uh, past summer and getting ready for the season, you're going to have 30 players that I rely on. Uh, let's say half of them are linemen. You know, we're that can put you down to 15. So we're going to make sure every lineman knows every position. And uh, he's going to get a little work with every position. We're going to find out which one he's best at, and that's where he's going to start. But if you have one guy goes down, then you've got to shuffle that lineman. In our situation, you're shuffling him down. So he may play center, but he uh, he may be the second best tackle I've got. So the second string center comes in, and I move him to tackle um, or guard or wherever it may be. So I think uh, for the most part, we try to move them around. We don't we don't try to make them specialize. Uh, our backs, on the other hand, we, we we specialize those guys. We try to make I try not to make the quarterback run too much wing back, for instance. We want the best guy back there. Uh, but I do expect our wing backs to be able to run tailback, you know, to, to take that snap if they need to. Uh, because he may be, like I said, if my tailback goes down, 
my wing back is probably my second tailback. So he'll move over there and we'll put a guy at wing. Uh, so I'm trying to make those backs learn every position, even the quarterback position, uh, because he'll, instead of passing, he'll just run more. Or we'll put in a, or there may be a, uh, this, this past year, I taught him the, the option. Uh, just in case we needed him uh, and the quarterback goes down, he doesn't know how to pass, but he knows how to run the option, which is the next big thing, in my opinion, uh, to passing. So uh, I think we try to specialize those those type of backs. But as far as my linemen go, we try to make them learn every one, and we'll, we'll try to keep them healthy, hopefully, and try to get a good uh, rotation in there. And the only guy that I really don't make learn more than one spot is the center. You know, I I, I hope that we have one center, and uh, he that's all he has to worry about, even in practice. We let him snap. He's probably snapping 100 to 200 times during practice. Uh, but uh, we try to let him be the only one that just plays one position and we'll have a backup center that will go in every once in a while. Uh, but as far as that, I think uh, that's probably all we do as far as uh, uh, certain skills that we look for. Uh, we've got uh, my, you know, I've got a glorified back, a guard, what we call our blocking back, and he, he's kicking out and he's pulling a lot. Just like a uh, just like guard or an extra lineman would be, so I think that's that's the next uh, uh, just a skill that you look for in a kid that he's good at blocking, but he's also pretty quick and uh, hopefully knock your socks off when he comes at you. As you mentioned earlier, Coach, you are quite active and, and quite accomplished as a power lifter, um, from what you've mm-hmm. been told and what we've read. And uh, what drew you to power lifting, and what things have you taken from that experience and training that you've used with your teams? Uh, powerlifting is something that I just was always doing. I think in high school, I loved lifting weights. I loved it. It was my, one of my favorite things to do in the off season. I looked forward to getting down there and lifting weights and, and I think it just stuck with me. In college, I started lifting a little bit heavier, got into the sport of powerlifting, uh, started doing a couple of, uh, competitions and, and realized that for my size, I'm pretty good. Uh, I've been, uh, I'm a kind of a small guy. I'm 181 pounds when I compete, but I, I was lifting a lot of weight. Uh, so, uh, it started, like I said uh, earlier, I'm, uh, I've got four, uh, big national championships. Uh, so uh, doing pretty good, but as far as I think I use it as an avenue to build relationships with my players uh, when I became a coach, uh, cause I started off as a, uh, strength and conditioning, uh, slash, and then had a position, but, uh, they really, you know, players are really drawn to that off season guy. I mean, they're with him for nine months a year, if you think about it. Uh, and you, if you're a good coach and you're doing something uh, for nine months a year, I think you should be good at it. So uh, if, if you, if you're the biggest part of your football year is in the weight room trying to get these guys ready for the season, and if you can get your players to buy in, in during the off season, well, they're going to do that much more for you during the season. So I think uh, – uh, during that time, you'll be. Uh, I'm willing to spend a lot of time. I get in there and I show them. But not only that, I'm going to go ahead and work out with them. Uh, and and uh, they, they, that's where you build a relationship with guys when you work out. And you're not just talking about football. Now you're talking about you get to talk about life. You know, uh, talk about uh, muscle groups and uh, your nutrition. What's going on at home? What's uh, you know what's uh, what what's going on the rest of your life when you're in there working out? And I think that builds a relationship that we're talking about earlier. And that's where players buy in. And I would tell anybody, uh, all my coaches and anybody that's new or young, that you got if you're not the one in there with them in the weight room, you got to hire somebody that's really passionate about doing that stuff and being getting that uh, relationship with them and encouraging them, uh, not only to be in the weight room, but also 
we we encourage our players to uh, play another sport. And not only that, but we we I try to get our guys to go out and uh, cheer them on, go to their games if they play basketball or baseball, for example. Uh, and for the guys that don't play basketball, the guys that don't play baseball, their next sport is powerlifting. So we're going to get competitions for them. And uh, we got we go to uh, I've got two or three competitions scheduled for my guys that that are just in the weight room. And I think when you do that, you get them into multiple sports. And I think I always like to say my guys, 100% of my guys are doing two sports. You know, even if it's football and then going into powerlifting uh, or uh, whatever else we may be doing, that's uh, that's what you get them. You get them pumped, and that is, they're not just wasting time at home if they're not playing any other sport. So I think that's uh, the avenue for building relationships. I think it's, what, it's uh, been big for me in my own powerlifting career, and it helps me too. I, I stay active. I want to stay, you know, right now I'm, I lift most. Uh, no, there's not many high school kids that lift more than me. Uh, I've got one today that's getting close on the on the cleans and that, you know, they get excited about it. They want to lift more than I do. And I'm excited about it when they start lifting more than I do. Uh, so I think it, it uh, builds that relationship, uh, not with just them, but with the young guys too, because they know, they figure out real quick, hey, Coach Bradley really cares about this little stuff, you know, teaching me how to do a power clean or how to, what muscle group I'm working. I'm not just in here, you know, he doesn't just tell me, go do a workout and he comes sit in the office. Like, uh, I think you lose a lot of kids if, if coaches are doing that. Uh, but I think that, uh, as far as that goes, I think that's been huge for me in building a relationship with uh, with young players and getting getting the most out of them, which is what you want to do. Uh, you want to develop athletes because if you're not developing athletes, you're going to be really bad when it comes to the season. Kind of wrapping things up here a little bit, Coach. Uh, reflecting back on your coaching career up to this point, what are some of the goals that you would like to accomplish that maybe you haven't reached as of yet? Mm. Oh, obviously, I think number one is for winning a state championship. <laughs> That's, uh, you don't want to, you know, you goals in coaching high school has got to be more than just winning, but that's something I hadn't done yet. And uh, it's just one of them things that I've gotten close. Uh, been one for, I think we was at Haywood High School at one time, and I was one game away from playing for one. Uh, lost by two points. Uh, and then uh, we went to the third round. We've been close to third round here at Mount Pleasant. This past year we went to the second round. So we're getting closer, uh, but that's something that just, had just, just hadn't done in uh, and that would be like my number one thing, I'd obviously, to win a state championship for these guys. But uh, I'd also like maybe one day to see uh, one of my players succeed and maybe in the NFL. Uh, I know we've we got a couple in our area that has been that big, but not one that I've personally coached yet. Got some, I think, that, that have succeeded in, in the college level, uh, and I'm excited about those guys, but not one that, that went to that uh, NFL. So one day I'd like to see that happen. Uh, I think that would be cool. I think uh, – you know, seeing one of my former coaches coach with me, it doesn't sound like much, but I know that was fun for me, coaching coaching with my uh, coach in high school. So one day I'll probably hire – getting close. I think some of them are getting closer to being ready to get hired to be coaches. And So I think that would be cool. Uh, but those are some of the goals that I'd like to accomplish uh, that haven't yet – haven't happened yet, but I think will happen one day. Uh, and uh, right now I'm just enjoying – I love what I do. love coaching high school football and – uh, I, I, I even love coaching. You know, right now we're 1A, big enough to be 2A, but uh, I, like, I like coaching the small school stuff. I think more community involvement, you get to uh, be involved with the players more. You know, it seems like the bigger the high school, bigger the, the level you're coaching at, the less likely you are to be uh, influencing those guys. You know, for college, I, you know, 
you're not influenced as much as you are in high school by your coach. And I think that's uh, that's one of my favorite things about coaching football. So uh, up to my career at this point, uh, I've got uh, feel like I can do it for as long as I want to. One of our traditions here on the show, Coach, and I, I've already kind of prefaced this question with you on, in our prep work, um, is if you had a walk-up song as a professional baseball player or wrestler, what would it be and why? And you chose um, – Monster by Skillet. Give us a little bit of an understanding yeah. and share with the audience why you chose that as your walk-up song. Yeah, I think Monster, I listen to it all the time when I'm working out, and it's just a battle between uh, a, a man and his own soul, you know, and it's, uh, like I said, I'm a, I'm a minister, so it really strikes me that you're always battling. Like Paul says, he's battling with the flesh every single day is a battle in, in yourself, and that's for all of us. And uh, as you go through life, you have a battle every day, and it's just like uh, anything, any battle that you have, you have to go into it with a strategy. And I think the song, the strategy is you, you need a coach, and I believe that coach is God, and the strategy was Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And we got to, once we accept that strategy and we follow the game plan, uh, that battle's not so hard anymore. But uh, that, uh, that song, uh, I've always liked it, and uh, I think it really speaks to me and, uh, in our profession. And you're always battling something in high school football, uh, and our kids are always battling something that nobody else sees. They go home, they battle uh, stuff at home that we don't know about, uh, you know, relationship with parents, or uh, you don't know what their home life is. But there's always something you don't see, and that's what that song's about. You don't see the monster inside me, but, man, it's in there, and I'm struggling with it. And uh, I think that that uh, would be my walk-on song because that's what we re- really try to find out what that kid's about, what those high schoolers are going through when they leave your campus, when they leave your football team at night. Are they getting enough food? Are they are they uh, going home to somebody that loves them? Uh, and if they're not, then uh, that's my job. I'm going to love them to death, and I'm going to try to get them food if they need it. Uh, and uh, so uh, that song uh, would be definitely be the one that I look up to and that I think about a lot. Intentionally Grounded was brought to you by GoRoute, simplifying scout teams through simple and direct coach-to-player communication. Check us out on our website at igfootballcoach.com and please leave a review on iTunes to help grow our program with others.